a shorthanded chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Packed show for you today on this Wednesday. Game four of the Stanley Cup final is just about an hour away. We're going to look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, what we might expect their lineup to look like. Some question marks on a few key players. Same thing for the Colorado Avalanche. What the Avs have to do differently in game number four than they did in game number three in order to go back to Colorado with a chance to close it out and win the Stanley Cup. We're going to get to the first team All-Stars, the second team All-Stars, and if we could come up with a hypothetical three-game series or seven-game series between those two teams, which team would win? I put up a poll at Ryan Hockey Guy on Twitter. You can vote if you haven't done so already. It's fairly lopsided. I'm a bit surprised by that. However, maybe the the allure of Connor McDavid has has uh, dimmed a little bit over the course of the last 24 hours. Uh, we're also going to get to some of your mailbag questions. A couple days ago on Twitter, and if you're not following, do follow at Ryan Hockey Guy or at Magnum702 for Chris Chapman. I know there's some out there that really love Chapman. He's a good follow on Twitter. But the, the fact of the matter is we put out on Twitter a couple of days ago what topics you want us to discuss. We have more time, obviously, with the offseason drawing closer and closer for everybody in the NHL to get into the weeds of some of your pressing questions. There was one, a great one, about the playoffs this year, whether or not they've been underwhelming. We'll also get to the Golden Knights and captaincy. I don't think it's much of an issue. I don't think there's any debate to be had there, but we'll open it up. We'll see if Chris Chapman has a different opinion. We'll also get to one-timers a little bit later on in the program. Of course, we're going to be talking about the biggest news, I think, of the day, and that is a change for the Florida Panthers. Not necessarily surprising. I'm surprised, honestly, at how many people are surprised that there was a change. Here at head coach, but I am surprised at who the coach is going to be for the Florida Panthers. So we've got all that in the next two hours for you, but we're going to start with the most important news of the day, the most pressing news of the day, and that is certainly the Stanley Cup final game number four. The Colorado Avalanche have a two games to one lead over the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. However, Tampa took Colorado to the woodshed. In game number three, Colorado had no answer for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa took away a lot of what Colorado did well in games one and two. Colorado was not able to enter the zone cleanly. They didn't really have too many grade-A scoring chances, five-on-five, from the middle of the ice in game number three. And 
that's been the blueprint for Tampa this playoffs, with the exception of round two against the Florida Panthers. What Tampa's been able to do is they have taken their opponent's best two games, best game and a half, whatever it was, and they have studied it, they have looked at it, and they have taken away the areas that the Lightning have aided their opponents. They did it to the Toronto Maple Leafs, they did it to the New York Rangers, and they are on the cusp, depending on what happens tonight, of doing it to the Colorado Avalanche. What did Colorado do so well in games one and two? Well, one, relentless speed. This team was up and down on top of the Tampa Bay Lightning in every facet of the game. The forecheck was going. Their backtracking in the neutral zone was superb. And Kale McCarr, Devon Taves, the back end of the Colorado Avalanche was so mobile and they would spent zero time in their own zone. They were thwarting zone entries from the Tampa Bay Lightning and Tampa was not able to get into the middle of the ice at all. Colorado, they took all the rate of play, all the run of play in dangerous scoring chances, in grade A uh, plays after zone exits. They were phenomenal in that regard. And it was because they were relentless, because they were playing fast, and they did not give the Tampa Bay Lightning much time to do anything offensively and next to nothing in their own zone. They were in on the forecheck, creating havoc, and turning pucks over. That's what Colorado did in games one and two. Now, in Game 3, it was a stark contrast. Colorado wasn't able to get to the middle of the ice. It wasn't as lopsided as maybe the score would indicate. But if it wasn't on the the man advantage, if it wasn't on special teams, the Colorado Avalanche had no answer for Tampa. They just didn't. And that's the same blueprint, the same structure that we saw from Tampa against the New York Rangers. Once the Rangers got out of Game number 2, They had a 2-0 lead in Game 3 on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Why? Because of the power play. It was an inability for the New York Rangers to score anything to be dangerous at all at 5-on-5. That is what lost the New York Rangers the series, because as the series wore on, penalties stopped being called. And I have more faith in Colorado to be able to find the back of the net 5-on-5 than I do or did at any point in time with the New York Rangers. But really, the, the troubling thing if you're Colorado is that you weren't even able to get good looks. Like, there weren't many really solid scoring chances. Now, Vasilevsky had to be good. He was better, certainly. But I don't think that Andre Vasilevsky was, at, by any stretch, the difference in game number three. So I guess the question becomes, have the Tampa Bay Lightning figured out the Colorado Avalanche? Have they taken what they needed to in their first two games and those big lopsided losses? Have they learned enough about their opponent to now effectively shut them down. To effectively do to the Colorado Avalanche what no team outside of maybe the Jordan Binnington St. Louis Blues were able to do in these playoffs, and that is slow down the juggernaut offensive machine that is the Colorado Avalanche. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated to see if Tampa has the blueprint to shut down Colorado. Like, we've seen it from Vegas. 
And it takes a lot of buy-in and a lot of dedication. And I don't think that anyone's going to question the buy-in or dedication from the Tampa Bay Lightning. But the, the fact remains, can you do it? Can Tampa, who is increasingly getting more and more banged up as these playoffs go along, and we'll get to that, do they and can they shut down the juggernaut that is the Colorado Avalanche? What say you, Chapman? Well, if history tells us anything, this playoff season they have they've 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 done it to multiple teams. <laughs> so, I it's it's tough because Colorado is better than any team. Uh, you know what? I I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that because we don't really know how good the Toronto Maple Leafs actually were because we only got to see them in one series. And it took Tampa seven games to, and coming back from down being down three games to two to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I shouldn't say that Colorado is the best team they've played on paper. I think it's probably Colorado, but I think I think Toronto might might be the best team they've played this playoff. We'll see. But if history tells us, recent history tells us anything about the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's that their series really don't start get go, don't get going until right about now. They yeah. excluding the, the 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 Florida series where they just went through them like a hot knife through butter. Um, it's, it's just, it's fascinating the way that Tampa has won this postseason because there's been multiple times where they've kind of been on the ropes and you're like, Oh, could this, could, could, could Toronto deliver the knockout blow? Could the Rangers deliver the blow and Tampa figures it out? Mm -hmm. I think Vasilevsky has proven that he gets better as a playoff series goes on. And, and I don't know why you'd ever doubt him, but the blueprint is out there. I, I think we saw a little bit of, of that with St. Louis, like you mentioned. And it makes me wonder, how different is that series if Jordan Bennington doesn't get hurt? Because... Oh, you, you don't think that St. No, Louis no, no, is going to no, no, but I, I... Well, I predicted it, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I think that St. Louis certainly would have made it a little more interesting than they did. I, I just think that there's something different about this Colorado team than what we've seen mm-hmm. in the years past. They're, they seem to have a little bit more in the tank. They seem to be a little bit better at figuring out how to how to beat teams. But Tampa has proven time and time again that you, you can't count them out, especially this this postseason. I don't you know. know. I, 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 I can't legitimately give you an answer until mm-hmm. I see what takes place tonight. And like I said yesterday, I think the team that wins this series wins tonight, wins the series. Mm-hmm. But I think even if Tampa wins tonight, that doesn't necessarily mean that they figured out Colorado. Now, if they win with the same blueprint that they used uh, two nights ago, maybe they have done it. Maybe they have figured out the avalanche. John Cooper, too good of a coach to, to, to discount that he's figured it out. Tampa, too many good players to discount that they haven't figured it out. And, I, I, I you know, it, it makes me wonder, right? Because they have a former avalanche player on their team in Pierre-Edward Belmar. And you have to wonder how much he's been able to give them and tell them about strengths, weaknesses. How how much do, do you factor that that in? Like, am I just making a big deal out of nothing here, or does the yes. fact that there's a former player who was with the Avalanche for a couple seasons and kind of saw how teams beat them sitting on the Tampa Bay roster? Yeah, I, I think you're making uh, too much out of that. Honestly, I like I, I think that. When, when it comes to whether or not a team's going to beat another, it's all about film. It's all about pre-scout. It's all about what the tendencies are. And sure, Pierre-Edouard Belmar might be able to tell 
some guys' individual things when it comes to individual players, but I think that on the whole, those tendencies, those types of plays are all picked up on video anyway. So it, I don't think that he's, he's telling anyone in that Tampa Bay room anything that they haven't already gone over with their video coach, if I'm being honest. So, you know, that's, that's an interesting angle for sure, but, you know, I, I think to me what... Where where Colorado is shaky, in my opinion, is the fact that I don't think they have a clear-cut number one goaltender, right? Uh, it would be a lot better and a lot easier if Colorado went through this playoff run with only Darcy Kemper in net. In the same way that the, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning have gone through this playoff run with just Andre Vasilevsky. There's no question, there's no second-guessing, none of it. But the fact that Colorado, through necessity, has had to go to both goaltenders and the fact that Pavel Francouz has played well when he's been in net, all of a sudden, you have questions about Darcy Kemper. Not about his injury status, not about whether or not he's healthy. The questions you have about Darcy Kemper is, is he good enough to win two more games against the Tampa Bay Lightning? I don't know that the answer is yes there. We talked about this after game one, Chapman, I said, frankly, I don't think Colorado's going to be able to outscore their goaltending issues. I don't think that they can outscore their problems. And their problems aren't cheating for offense and sacrificing defense because they want to try to score a bunch of goals. Their issues are their goaltending isn't good enough. So the question that I have is, A, who's starting in net tonight for the Colorado Avalanche? Jared Bednar was not committal to it being Darcy Kemper. And then whoever they go with, that has to be the guy that takes the reins and runs with it. Like if it's Franco's, he has to be dominant, he has to be good, and he's got to be the final decision that this team makes in, at goal. Because if you're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, just give the trophy to the Tampa Bay Lightning already. Yeah, I, I'm one of those people who thinks when a coach is non-committal, that generally means that he's going the opposite direction. The mm. fact that he was asked if if Kemper was his guy tonight and he couldn't give an answer, that makes me think that, that it's going to be Francois and Net tonight. I, I just think that Kemper hasn't really been spectacular in the series. He wasn't great in Game 1. He really didn't need to do anything special in Game 2. And he was bad in, in Game 3. So I think you've now had enough of a sample size, if you're Jared Bednar, to decide whether or not Darcy Kemper is your guy. I think they go with Francois. He, he, he played really well in the series against Edmonton. I just, I just think maybe that's a change you need to make because Kemper hasn't shown that that he's the number one, and it it sucks because he got injured and and you hate to see a guy lose his job due to injury, but he had an opportunity to maintain and be the number one guy in this series, and I just don't think he's done enough to prove that that he's the number one guy. So, I think they make the change. I don't know whether it's going to work or not, but I I think at this point, if you're Jared Bednar, you're up two games to one. If Francois is terrible, you can go back to Kemper. You, you don't you, you don't have to stay with Francois, but I do think that it, it's a bad thing if you go to Francois and he's not good. Well, that's the biggest question mark, right? Like, how is Pavel Francois going to react to the moment if he ends up 
getting the game tonight. He was fine in relief, right? Like, I think that you can kind of draw from that. But the fact of the matter is, if you're Colorado, Pablo Francois, he's 6-0 and with a 281 goals against average and a 906 save percentage. His save percentage is much, much better than Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper is sub-900. He's 892. That's not good enough. It, it just isn't. So I don't have any issue whatsoever if Jared Bednar goes with Pavel Francouz. He were able to get the Western Conference Final wrapped up in a tidy fashion, and it wasn't because Francouz was phenomenal or amazing or stood on his head or elite. What he did is made the saves when he needed to make the saves. And that's the most important thing here, because for Andre Vasilevsky, you know what you're going to get if you're Tampa. He's going to be outstanding. It's going to be very, very difficult to beat Vasilevsky enough time to get wins. But if you at least are giving yourself a chance with a goaltender that has been demonstrably better than Darcy Kemper then maybe the Colorado Avalanche have a chance to win. Or maybe Colorado can light up Vasilevsky again. I don't know that it's going to happen. Like, I don't know that Colorado's going to score three or four goals in a game the remainder of this series. So you have to trust in your goaltender to be two or better. I think you have a better chance of that with Pavel Francouz right now in this moment than you do Darcy Kemper. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I I, I think the fact that when called upon, Francouz has, has been good enough... I just, it, it, it's such a, it's such an unenviable position for Jared Bednar to be in because he's probably thinking, man, we're up two games to one in this series. If I could just get one good game out of one of these guys, we're going to head up, head home, hopefully up three games to one. I just, is the moment too big for Pavel Francouz? Like, to, to, it's, cool. it's a good question. It's, it's, I, I think it's a pivotal game in the series, and you're attempting to win the Stanley Cup. It's not a position I'd want to be in because I think you you go into the playoffs with with Darcy Kemper as your clear cut number one. He hasn't been the clear cut number one in the playoffs for for a variety of reasons. He's been good enough, but has he stood out? Has he has he really shown that he's the number one goalie? I guess the question is: Has Darcy Kemper given you enough faith? That he could win you a game. That he, he alone, could win you a game if he needs to. And I think that's a question that Jared Bednar probably can't answer. He probably has an answer. Whether or not it's the right one, I don't know. But if I'm being honest, I don't know if Darcy Kemper has shown me that in a must-win game, and that's not tonight for the Colorado Avalanche, but it could be at some point, I just don't know if he has shown enough to tell you that he is a guy that's going to steal you a game if Tampa comes out and has 45 shots tonight. Is is he going to make 44 saves? I just don't know. I, I, I haven't seen it from him to make me feel comfortable saying that. Which is like the, the anti-Darcy Kemper, right? Like we've known Darcy Kemper as a goaltender on a bad team in playoffs where he has stood on his head and stolen games. It, it's curious why it hasn't or isn't materializing here for the Colorado Avalanche, but it's going to be a heck of a decision. I do not envy the position that Jared Bednar is in, but it might get a little bit better for the Colorado Avalanche. It's looking like Nazem Kadri will play tonight for 
Colorado. So they're looking to get a little bit healthier having Kadri back in the lineup. That'll certainly be a bit more dynamic offensive look. How much is he going to be able to contribute? Not really sure after having surgery just a couple of weeks ago on his thumb. But if you have Kadri in the lineup, even as a decoy, I think it opens up some options for you offensively. Uh, to the to the you know the other side of the coin, Tampa they'll be without Braden Point once again, but it looks like Nikita Kucherov and Nick Paul are on schedule to play tonight. Kucherov took uh, a pretty gnarly fall after a cross check from Devon Taves late in game number three. Left the ice, left the bench, did not return. But it's looking like he's going to be able to play. And Nick Paul was just banged up the entire game and yet still got the game winner for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, you know, all those things being equal, certainly it's a a big, big story for the Colorado Avalanche to get Nazem Kadri back into the lineup. But I think the bigger story is that this Tampa Bay team that we have talked about quite a bit, having played so much hockey, having gone through this, this run that they've had over the last two years, being broken down, being tired, they're getting more and more banged up, more and more injured. Like, at what point do we look at what Tampa's doing in spite of the 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 wear and tear on the body and say, this team is just remarkable? Well, I think the big one you circle is no Braden Point. The fact that yeah, they've been able sure. to, to get this far without Brandon Point is, is pretty remarkable because he, he's really an integral part of what they do, especially when you look at his postseason numbers. He's a guy who elevates his game to another level in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for them to get to this point without him, no pun intended, it's <laughs> it, it, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. And I, I think it shows how deep and how good this team is. Like they're more than just Kucherov and, and Stamkos. There's a lot of guys on this roster. Anthony Sorelli had a quiet postseason. What does he do the other night? He goes out and he scores a, a huge goal for them. Um, Nick Paul had had the two goals against Toronto in that game seven. I just think that they are a team that they find ways to do it because I think it starts with their head coach. Like, like to me, I don't know. I've never talked to John Cooper. I don't know what he's like. Like, when, when you when you have a conversation with him, I don't really know what he's like with the media outside of what we see. I will say this. He strikes me as a guy who is very cool and calm under pressure. And I think that kind of resonates through their their roster. Like it just strikes me that that team just strikes me as a team that they they kind of take on that personality. Like, hey, nothing is too difficult or too challenging for us to overcome. We're not gonna freak out. We're not gonna panic. We've got enough players on this team. We we have enough belief in each other that we're able to to, to overcome adversity. And I think that the the fact that we're seeing some of these injuries start to catch up to them, maybe maybe it's a sign that what they've done the last two years leading up to this point has, has been. I, I I know we had the conversation last week about people trying to discount it because they did it a they did it in the bubble and b they they did it in the shortened season. I think the fact that they've still played that much hockey and now here they are again in the cup final, this is this is a sport where you don't see this because of the physicality, because you, you have so much turnover in the rosters. In the salary cap era, we, we really haven't seen a team do what this team has done. 
And I think it, it, it's going to catch up to them at some point. Whether or not they're able to make it go for another four or five games, I don't know. I'm sorry, four games. I I, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I think they're going to, no matter what, if guys can play, they're going to play. And it makes me wonder yeah. how, how how close is Braden Point to returning if we're now going into game four and he still hasn't able to take the ice. Because you have to imagine I don't, if, if he's I, able to contribute. I don't think he plays again. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where, where I'm starting I to lean. I don't, I, I don't think Braden Point gets back into the series. So for the Tampa Bay Lightning, right, they had to go through the bubble without Steven Stamkos with the exception of one shift, which was phenomenal. Uh, they had to go all season without Nikita Kucherov, and you can kind of argue whether or not that was a detriment for Tampa, but the fact of the matter is you still have to make the playoffs, right? Like, yeah. in order well, for LTIR we, we to saw work that this in that year. context, you, you have to make the playoffs, and they did, and Kucherov came right back in and was a dynamic player, and it worked for them two years in a row. Now, this year, they have gone from having one of the best third lines in hockey with uh, with Blake Coleman and Yanni Gord and Barkley Goodrow to reconfiguring everything in their depth department because all three of those players moved on to different teams for different reasons. Um, they bring in the likes of Corey Perry. They bring in the likes of Pierre Edouard Belmar. They, they reconfigure their depth around, and now they've got to go through pretty much the majority of, a, of another Stanley Cup run without arguably their most important player in Braden Point. Like, I know Steven Stamkos is the captain, and he is the guy that that leads this team. And I know Nikita Kucherov is the offensive dynamo, the one that just finds ways to do things that no one else can do offensively. But Braden Point is really the guy, to me, that unlocks everything for everybody. For Stamkos, for, for Kucherov, he is a pain in the butt to play against and he comes through with big time goals every single playoff run the the most impressive thing about this isn't that they went through an 82 game season it isn't that they've gone through a more traditional route to the Stanley Cup playoffs it isn't that it's that, that it's their third cup final in three years it's that they've done it without a a dynamic and an elite player in Braden Point and yet they just haven't seemed to miss a beat yeah, it, it's really, I, I think it's a testament to to John Cooper and, and the staff and, and just how they're able to 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 just find ways. It's, it's mind-blowing because you have to think for a lot of teams, mm-hmm. you mentioned the Steven Stamkos in the first, the first year, Nikita Kucherov last year. Now they're doing it without Braden Point. This team... They they just find ways, and I and I understand it's it's a lot easier when you have a goalie the caliber of Andre Vasilevsky, but you still need guys to to, to yeah. play in front of him. Like it doesn't matter how good your goalie is if you're not scoring three four goals a night. Generally, you're not going to win a lot of games. So the fact that yep. they're able to do it without star players, it, it, it's it's mind blowing. Like you, like you would I think in ten years. When we look back at this team, and and we're gonna say, oh yeah, they remember remember this team they 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 won, oh yeah, they did that without Steven Stamkos, oh yeah yeah they were you know, they went through the entire regular season without Kucherov. It, it's it's just it's incredible. Like they're they're it's it's really fun to watch. Like for the historical aspect of it, which is still why I'm hoping that they do it. But 
I think it, it, it just shows that John Cooper, he's an elite coach. Like, the fact that he still doesn't have a Jack it's Adams, it, it's he, well, he, I think you can make the argument Chapman, he's the best coach in the game. Chapman, um, I'm not surprised he doesn't have a Jack Adams. Like, we see what happens with voting. Okay, like I won't get you started. It's it's ridiculous. Like it's ridiculous to me. And yeah, you don't don't start me up because I'll I'll never stop. I I, seriously. Um, But yeah, you're you're right. Like Jack John Cooper is a phenomenal coach, and he is a coach that understands exactly how to bring the most out of his team, even if that team is missing key players. Like I, I don't think that there's been a team outside of the Tampa Bay Lightning that's been able to handle the blows that happen in a traditional playoff run where you lose players or guys aren't at 100%. I don't think there's been a team in recent memory that's been able to handle that as well as Tampa has. Uh, one, One last thing, though, that I want to get to, because I think it's interesting, when you look at... The, the statistics individually for players through the first three games of this series. Qua- uh, Ch- Chapman, I want to get your, your pulse on this for, for a second. Who's leading the Colorado Avalanche in points, if you had to guess based on your memory? If I had to guess, my, my first guess would be Kale McCarr. It's a good guess. Kale McCarr is not leading the Colorado Ooh. Avalanche so far in the Stanley Cup Finals. It is Miko Rantanen. He has seven assists in three games, seven points for Rantanen. Kale McCarr has a couple of goals, a couple of helpers, four points in three games. Here's the name that needs to improve for Colorado. Here's the name that has the pressure on him for the Colorado Avalanche. I know we spent some time talking about Pavel Sos and Darcy Kemper, but the fact of the matter is... If Nathan McKinnon doesn't get going, the Colorado Avalanche are not going to win the Stanley Cup. Kale McCarr is Colorado's best player. It's not arguable. It's not debatable. He is the guy that stirs the drink. But when you stir the drink, you still need other guys around you doing their part. Nathan McKinnon is better than two assists in three games. That's his stat line through the first three in the Stanley Cup Final. That's unacceptable from a superstar in Nathan McKinnon. It's the same challenge I threw down to Connor McDavid in round one when the Oilers were down to the Los Angeles Kings. You need to be better. Period. Point blank. Full stop. Nathan McKinnon has to be better for Colorado or they will not win this series. That's a bit surprising that he only has two points, especially when you consider what they did in... in Game two. What what do they have? Eleven goals through the first two games, and he only had two points. Yes, yeah. That's yes. That's surprising. And yeah, you're right. He he yeah. he's not their best player, but I think he's their heart and soul. And he he's probably their second best player. But mm-hmm. I think it's tough to to win at this stage when you're not getting the type of production you come to expect from a Nathan McKinnon. It's a bit like last season. He he kind of disappeared after games one and two against Golden Knights. Granted, a, a, a lot of guys on that team did. But mm-hmm. this is a guy who who kind of threw a little bit of a temper tantrum after the, 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 the <laughs> they got knocked out of the playoffs last year. This is the guy who, when asked about legacy, said, well, the media is creating that. I'm just going to go out and play hockey. Yep. Well, this is your yep. legacy, dude. Like... Your legacy right now is showing up in these next four games and helping the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche raise the Stanley Cup. 
Because if he doesn't produce, you're right. They're not going to raise the Stanley Cup. Tampa will will end up winning the series because Cam McCarr can't do it on his own. As good as he is, no, he can't. As, he as should, good as he is, he shouldn't he be can't. expected to. No, no, it's it's yeah, it's, he it's hysterical he to think be expected that. Expected to. And and that's really where it lies for me. Like if if Nathan McKinnon isn't the best player on the ice tonight, that's a problem for the Colorado Avalanche. It's a problem, and it's one that they are 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 going to to hope to avoid tonight in game number four as the Colorado Avalanche take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Colorado looking to take a three games to one series lead. And Tampa, their aim, as it always is, is to get this thing evened up heading back to Colorado on Friday. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at the first-team All-Stars, the second-team All-Stars, the selections from the NHL Awards yesterday, and we want to dive into who wins a series between these two. You had your say on the poll up on Twitter. We're going to get into our opinions on it next right here on the VGK Insider Show. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. BGK Insider Show rolling along here on a Wednesday, midway through the week. Game four, Stanley Cup final. About to drop the puck in just about 30, 40 minutes from now. I'm really looking forward to this game. There's a lot on the line, obviously, for both Colorado and Tampa. But as we just discussed prior to going to break, there's a lot on the line for Nathan McKinnon. He's got two points in three games. He has been largely invisible so far in this series. And when you couple that with the amount of goals that the Colorado Avalanche have scored over the first three games, it's perplexing that you're not getting more out of Nathan McKinnon. However, the silver lining is you put up seven and you haven't gotten much out of Nathan McKinnon. Maybe once he gets it going, once he gets into gear, that's going to be the edge that the Colorado Avalanche need in order to eliminate and uh, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning and win the Stanley Cup. That all remains to be seen. I cannot wait for game number four. It's on the horizon. But out of last night, the NHL awards, there were some some fun moments, some interesting moments. Of course, I am going to continue uh, to to rally against the ridiculousness of adding of having Alex Nedeljkovic on a ballot at all for the Calder Trophy. Um, I'm, I'm there's by it. some insight into <laughs> there's some insight into who made that choice, and believe me, it it, it was a choice. Hey, uh, but it? in fairness to in fairness to the the individual that voted Alex Nedeljkovic, at least they put Jeremy Swayman ahead of Alex Nedeljkovic on their ballot. Like at that point, why? Like what's even the point? I don't get it. I don't understand it. But whatever it is, what it is. So um, coming out of the NHL awards is first team, second team, all stars, and I, I I came up with an idea on on Twitter and, and threw out a poll for you to go and vote on. It's up right now at Ryan Hockey Guy. Get over there. Vote on it if you haven't already. But it's who would win in a seven-game series. And I recognize that we're talking about just two defensemen, three forwards, and a goaltender. Like, that's not a team. I, I get it. I do. But just allow yourself to think about this in video game terms. If you could turn the... the uh, the, the need for rest off, and you could just use one line for a seven-game series, 
head-to-head against the other one, which team would win. So here's what we've got. First team All-Star, Johnny Gaudreau, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Kale McCarr, Roman Yossi on defense, and in goal it's Igor Shesterkin, versus the second team All-Stars, Jonathan Huberdeau, Connor McDavid, Matthew Kachuk. On defense it'll be Victor Hedman and Charlie McAvoy. And in goal, it's Jacob Markstrom. So, Chris Chapman, before I get to the poll results, I want to ask you, who wins in a seven-game series? If all things being equal, those are the two teams. Well, I voted for the first team, and I stand by that. I, I think the first team beats the second team. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's close, but I just look at some of the dynamic players on the first team, and I look at the, the the advantage in goal that the first team has, and I think that that probably weighed on my decision. Like, if you replace Jacob Markstrom with Andre Vasilevsky, I think it's a little bit tighter, but I think there's there's so much recency bias with Igor Shosturkin compared to Jacob Markstrom. Look, Markstrom had a phenomenal season, but our latest, our, our last memory of Jacob Markstrom is him being absolutely atrocious in that series against Edmonton. We all remember Igor Shosturkin not only winning the Vezina Trophy yesterday, but just how good he was in that series against the Lightning. Recency bias matters, and I and I think we, we remember what we saw last, and what we remember is Igor Shosturkin being really, really good and Jacob Markstrom being terrible. Well, I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. Recency bias doesn't even get to the goaltenders for me. It gets to Kale McCarr versus Connor McDavid, right? Kale McCarr dominated Connor McDavid. So, like, you take the best player out of the second-team All-Stars in Connor McDavid, and he's nullified by Kale McCarr. Then you look around, you still have Johnny Gaudreau, you still have Austin Matthews, you still have Roman Yossi. Like, it, it's not even close. Like, I, I looked at it, I thought about it, I, I, was, I was trying to come up with any reasonable explanation as to why the second-team All-Stars would be able to push the first-team All-Stars. Uh, and the only one that I can come around to is if it's the first round, Austin Matthews is, isn't going to win, right? <laughs> so, like, you give the default win to the second-team well, All-Stars. Well, Mitch, Mitch, like, Mitch Marner falls into that category as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, the Leafs aren't winning anything. We, we get that. Uh, but, you know, the point the point to me is that it, it, it's 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 too good of, of a... Of a conglomeration of talent there for the first-team All-Stars. You've got the scoring of Matthews. You've got the playmaking of Marner. Johnny Gaudreau, he can do both. Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the game. Roman Yossi is probably right there with him. Um, and then you, you've got the better goaltender for sure. Uh, on the second team, like, you know, Connor McDavid, he'll, he'll – get the first assist and Jonathan Huberdeau we know he's adept at getting the secondary assist <laughs> but like is Matthew Kachuk going to be the guy that, that puts the puck in the back of the net the whole time maybe um I, like I like Victor Hedman I think Charlie McAvoy is really good but as you mentioned Chapman like Jacob Markstrom was absolutely terrible in the in the Battle of Alberta so uh, to me it's not really that close. I think it's very, very easy to see that the first-team All-Stars are the better team for a single game. They'd be the better team for a seven-game series. But but here's something that I, I thought of as I was going through some of the replies to the poll. And I don't know that it's 
at all feasible. In fact, I, I don't think that there's any way we could ever do this at the NHL level. But if you were to grow tired of all-star games, or you wanted to shake up the format of what an all-star game actually is, here's my simple proposal. Maybe you open it up to first team, second team, and then you've got honorable mention, or you have enough to flesh out at least two teams for three-on-three hockey. Okay, You, you do it by vote. After the season is is done, after the season is over, so that you get the right people in place to be truly all-stars. And then you set it up first team, second team, and you have them go out and play a three-game set, three-on-three, at the end of the season. So you give out the Stanley Cup, and then you have a, a, a essentially two super teams of the best players and it's voted on because the entire season's done and over with and you know what players did as, in, instead of what you hypothetically think they're going to do this year and then you set it up as like a little mini tournament at the end of the season. I know it's not going to happen. It's my dream scenario, but I think it would be better than what we have right now in the in the NHL when it comes to the uh, all-star game. Yeah, I'm not sure what we have right now is is, is really the ideal format. I think there's there's some tweaking that could go along with it. But uh, you know, I was just thinking about when I look at these rosters, you've got a 115 point player in Johnny Goudreau and a 60 goal scorer in Austin Matthews, and then you have Kale McCarr, who, if the Avalanche win the the Stanley Cup, will probably win the Conn Smythe Trophy. Like that team is so much better than the second team. It's it's not even close. But mm-hmm. I I like your idea for the All Star format. Like I, I I just like to see them shake it up. Like I, I like the way the NBA does it. Nobody cares about the NBA All Star game, but the way the format is is kind of interesting, <laughs> in that you have captains and they pick their mm-hmm. teams. Like yeah. I think that would be kind of fun because then you'd get to see guys who never really have the opportunity to play together, play together. Like how cool would it have been mm-hmm. to see Austin Matthews play with Mark Stone? Like I think that would have been really really cool. But obviously, yeah. you know, the NHL, they, 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 they have their format and they like it and it works. But I think it could be better. Yeah, I, I'm with you in that I would much rather see a pool of players and individual captains. Like, because we, we vote, right? Fans vote on who the captains are going to be. So just vote for yeah, the make, four make it matter for you want to see. Right, exactly. And then have everything fall on those guys. Like... If you have Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby and Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and those are your four captains, it would be so fun to see those guys pick and choose which players are going to have on their team. And like I know that everyone got up in their feelings about Phil Kessel being the last one picked and like it was a thing and it was a meme. It's fun though. Like let them have some fun with it. Enjoy the process. It's not mean-spirited. At least I don't believe that it is. Change it up a little bit so that there's a little more buy-in from individual fans or casual fans to want to see the entire event of the All-Star Game instead of just uh, Pacific Division and Central Division and Atlantic Division and Metropolitan Division because, to me, we're getting to a point where it's a little bit boring. Yeah, these guys don't care either. Like, they're just out there to... to goof off and have fun and that's fine so if if mm-hmm. there's not going to be a care 
and guys are just goofing off and having fun, then then switch it up. Give give the fans something a little bit different. Like I I, I remember as a kid. The way they used to do the All Star when you had the, the the Eastern Conference against the Western Conference, and like to me that was that was fun because you, you you had a full roster of players. You had you had and they played sixty minutes. I don't think we're going to go back yeah. to that. I like the three on three, but I I'd like to see a little bit of a change up. I, I I'd like to see guys from the Eastern Conference have an opportunity to maybe play with guys like like just the idea that a guy like Alexander Barkov could end up playing with Connor McDavid. Like how cool is that? Like. Granted, same you position, you, but but yeah, who cares? It's it's three on three. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I I want to see, it, and I don't know that it's ever going to happen. But like, just as we're we're going through these ideas, I would love to see the Stanley Cup champion versus a a team of all stars, like Tampa Bay versus the best players in the league. How fun would that be? Yeah, that that that's now that's a bit of an MLS Major League Soccer format because what they've done in the yeah. past is they've brought one of the best teams in the world over, whether it's like Juventus or Bayern Munich or whoever, and they'll play the All Star team from MLS, and it's it's kind of a fun, goofy format because you get to see the best North American players against one of the best mm-hmm. teams in the world, and for for the fans here, it's an opportunity to see the best one of the best teams on the planet that you, well, unless you have the cable package where you're subscribed to get the Bundesliga, you, you don't get to see Bayern Munich. You don't get to watch them every weekend. So uh, I think there's a lot of different formats you could do. Like, I I, I mean, I remember as a kid, you had the, the Soviet Red Army team that used to travel around and, and play NHL teams. In fact, there's a famous, <laughs> famous game in, that took place in Philadelphia in which the Soviet team decided they weren't going to play after they, they got the crap beat out of them by the Flyers. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's so many different things you could do to make it a little more interesting. And and, and I like the format. I love the three-on-three, and I, I love the fact that we got to see it. But just give me something a little bit different. Like, change it up a little bit. Like, you don't have to stick with the same format every every year. Like, you could, you could mix and match. Yeah. It's, it's, it's for the fans. It's not serious. In the long run, it means nothing. Just give us something a little mm-hmm. bit different every year. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that one. I didn't expect this to turn into uh, a, a rant on the the, the All Star Game format, but uh, it is an interesting discussion. And to be honest with you, I am I am in, on board with your call on the first team All Stars being the better team. Uh, so is seventy seventy two percent of the people that voted on that poll on Twitter at Ryan Hockey Guy. We're back. You might think. You might think that we don't have a play of the day, but I got you covered. I dug a little deeper. I used my brain a little bit more, and I've come up with a play of the day. We're going to get to that on the other side of the break. It's the VGK Insider Show. No chance to shoot for Stevenson. Centered. Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. I know yesterday I said I wasn't a fan of low-hanging fruit jokes, but hey, when they're delivered as well as Keenan Thompson delivered this shot at the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'll make an exception. That's our show, everybody. Congrats to Austin Matthews. It's nice to see the Leafs winning something in June. I've had a good time tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nice to see the Leafs winning something in June. Hey, listen, it's not even the Leafs award. It's Austin Matthews award, so the Leafs still have not won anything in June of consequence for quite a while. But to me, the beautiful thing about that joke, and and again, 
I, I know what I said yesterday, and I stand by it, but I'm going to, you know, I, I liked it. Uh, the, the beautiful thing about that joke is that it was at the end of the program. It was literally the end of the award show. It was the last thing said by the NHL on the on the award show, and it's just such a throwaway comment. Congratulations, Austin Matthews. By the way, your team sucks. It's It was fantastic. <laughs> it was well played. Well played. Yeah, Keenan Thompson. Keenan Thompson, keep up the good work. I see a lot of uh, NHL awards in your future. That shirt, that certainly was a knuckle puck delivered to Austin Matthews, and that was our play of the day. Hour number two is coming up next on the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.